in three, two, one, and we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Winchop. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. Sounds like a little bit better than you. Oh yeah, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing terrible right now. Uh, how long have we been doing this show, Seth? Like three years, four years, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, four years. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't miss. I haven't missed an episode yet. I couldn't miss one. But yes, I'm doing. I'm doing awful. I've been doing awful all week. If you've seen, if you've been following my posts and you've seen the output go down, it's. Uh, I think I got a bad flu this week. But not COVID. I don't think it feels more like the flu to me. But uh, maybe I haven't been tested. I've been as as all anything isolating, though. Yeah. And today is not. Well, it's still pretty bad, as you probably can tell from uh, my voice, but. I'm going to try to get to the show without too much sniffling, but I do apologize for any inconvenience uh, in terms of the audio and how I sound and, and, and the sound that you might hear throughout the podcast. And also, obviously, my energy levels are not extremely high. And it's a bummer because we have a lot to talk about this week because, of course, there was a test AI day late on Friday night. So we have to discuss that even though it happened a week ago at this point. And there was a Tesla numbers that came out for production and deliveries of Q3. Then um, then there's what, what else? Uh, there's there's a, ton, a ton of things to talk about. But the first thing I want to talk about, even though I just read the comments now and Steve Clemens doesn't want to talk about it. And I do understand why. But I've been getting a lot of questions about it. There's a lot of confusion about it. So I, I guess it's worth addressing it real quick because it does affect Tesla to some degree. And I'm talking about Elon Musk's deal to buy Twitter. So there was a big 180 change this week where uh, Elon sent a letter to Twitter saying that, you know what, I'm actually going to go through with the deal, the original one at $44 billion, and I'm going to buy the company, take it private, and everything I said I would do. And that uh, I ended up saying that I'm not going to do and you guys ended up suing me for. Well, you don't have to sue me for sue me for that anymore because I'm going through it. And which like, all right, like a lot of people saw that coming, really, because, uh, it, of course, Elon is like brushing it off. I was like, oh, it was always the plan. Like Twitter is going to accelerate X dot is X app this app about everything and whatnot. But obviously, a lot of people that are reading between the lines are more um, going towards uh, Elon and his legal team likely seeing very little chance of them winning the case, especially since some text messages came out, uh, the, especially one, I think, with some, one of his financial advisor where, where he was uh, like, let's let's slow down on that Twitter deal thing because of Russia and possible like World War Three and everything. I don't want to be spending $34 billion on Twitter if uh, World War Three breaks out. Um, which is a fair point, really. However, he already had agreed to the deal and he was using a reason to get out that Twitter is somehow lying about the number of bots on the platform. So that's a completely different reason. Um, so it makes him look very bad in that case. And um, so, so yeah, so the chances of him winning were, were, were extremely low. So now when this was announced earlier this week, Tesla stock took a plunge, uh, and the reason why is that Elon has sold a ton of Twitter uh, of Tesla stock in order to buy Twitter. Uh, he, he, over the last year, he sold about twenty billion dollars worth of Tesla stock. Some of it was to pay taxes, but a lot of it was to finance the acquisition of Twitter, to um, both through debt. So he's, he's securing some debt, but he's also he's going to also have to put some equity in there. 
And Elon is not cash rich. He's, he's the richest man on the, in the world, but that's through his old things of Tesla stocks. So he had to sell some Tesla stocks, which of course negatively affected Tesla stock. And, um, but the last uh, trench that he sold just earlier this year, uh, which was $7 billion worth, that, that he said that that was like after he was trying to get out of the deal. Uh, so that was very confusing for some people, but then he ended up saying that it's in case a judge forced me to go through the deal, then I'm going to need the $7 billion to pay for Twitter. But he, he, then he said, if, if I'm not forced to buy the platform, then I'm going to buy back Tesla stocks. So of course that's now not going to happen uh, if uh, he's going through with the deal. So that of course negatively affected the stock. However, there was another plot twist, or not really a plot twist, but the media framed it as such yesterday where uh, Twitter, I mean, it's according to the media, Twitter said that they're not accepting the deal from Elon now to buy the platform, even though they already accepted it, which is not as simple as that. Actually, what all they said is that when Elon sent the, the, the letter to Twitter, the, the letter was like, hey, you guys don't have to sue me anymore because I'm going through with the deal. So what Twitter said is like, no, we're going to keep suing you until you go through with the deal because we don't trust you and we have doubt that you can actually pull this through with the financing and everything. So uh, so the deal, if Elon is really moving forward with the deal, it, as long as he has the financial capacity to do it, it should happen. It's just he needs to put the debt together and they quit. And we, uh, unless he, he spent that money, all that money on lawyers <laughs> over the last few months, are just blowing it on the yacht and, and a super yacht and things like that. Uh, it should be good. Um, yeah, but, it's a, it's, yeah, it's, ahead, a, it's a crazy problem because um, the markets have changed in the you know the last four mm, yeah. four or so months uh, since this has all started. Like right now, uh, interest rates have gone way up, like like double and triple. Um, so the banks might have problems securing that money and and. Um, you know, selling bonds for that, the whole thing is going to be a lot harder. I mean, the banks have already agreed to do it, so they're kind of on the hook. Um, what what kind of seems like is going to happen to me, or hasn't been talked about enough, I think, is that if one of the banks pulls out, then Musk can say, oh, you know, my, my financing didn't work out, and I only owe you guys a billion dollars. I kind of feel like that's not... I feel like one of the banks that he's dealing with might find a way to finagle a way to say, Hey, you know, we couldn't get the financing that we hoped for and they're going to pull out. And then he's only going to have to spend a billion dollars, but he gets to save face saying, you know, I wanted to buy it, but the stupid bank lost, lost the thing. And, you know, I can't do it. So, you know, I screwed up. I, I give up a billion dollars, but like it's, it's a lot better than buying Twitter for, you know, triple it's, it's price. And then, I mean, what could happen is then Elon could come right back and say, oh, yeah, you know, that billion dollars I gave you. Yeah, that's going to be part of the Twitter I buy right now for you know mm -hmm. 20 billion instead of 44 billion or whatever. So it, it's just such an interesting case. And there's so many like parts of it um, at the New York Times Intelligencer had a, a piece today about how, you know, all of Elon's friends who are, you know, billionaire Silicon Valley people. Um, like Ellison, I mean, Ellison doesn't give give anything like about his text messages, but I bet all of Elon's friends who he's texted in the last mm -hmm. three months are like, holy crap, dude, like 
settled. Like, I don't want them to see what we've been mm-hmm. talking about. It's got to be kind of embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I know, like, Jason Kalkanis was saying some, you know, really stupid stuff on 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 Twitter, which I guess, like, I don't know. It's not on. That's on par. Yeah. Like, to the surprise of no one. Uh, but, you know, like, these, all of his friends are like, oh, crap. Like, everything I've talked to you about in the last, uh, you know, four months is now, you know, part of the discovery. Also, I think uh, Elon has to do his deposition pretty soon. So mm-hmm. I think that that's not going to be fun for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he's been doing deposition training and all the other mm-hmm. stuff that you have to do. And he's probably like, oh, wow, this really sucks. Mm-hmm. Like these people are going to ask me questions under oath, under penalty of perjury. Mm-hmm. And I have to be like, I have to be real. It's not like Twitter where you can you yeah. know, kind of half, half truth it or make it up as you go. So it seems like Elon is in a really bad spot. Mm-hmm. And I think the best case scenario for him is one of the banks pull out. Um, and then he can, I mean, I think right now he's like, holy crap, one of these banks, please pull out so I can just pay a billion mm-hmm. dollars and get out of this. But if that doesn't happen, then he's buying Twitter. Like that's, that's kind of like the only thing that can happen. Right. Yeah, sounds like it. But even if he has to, like, even even if somehow he can get away with just paying a billion dollars, talk about the most stupidest billion dollar ever spent because you, you have to spend a billion dollars because you had the guts to like just, just go like, I'm going to buy Twitter and then I don't feel like it anymore. I'm not going to buy Twitter. <laughs> so how, how is Elon doing on his 420 price targets? Like when he says... You know, a stock is going to be four twenty. Like puts four twenty into his uh, his business finances. He's like, he's got the four twenty tweet, and he's got this uh, the st- the buying Twitter for fifty four twenty. He's over two, I think. Yeah. Uh, I I mean this if if there was anything that I mean I know that he has a tough few years in terms of his public image. I mean I think he's bigger than ever right now, obviously, but not so, not so much yeah. better. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the COVID thing didn't help him too much. Like he had a few comments there that uh, didn't help him. And then obviously after that, the like, Democrats party of hate comment that didn't fly with a lot of people. And But the Twitter thing, I think is, is a bit different. So unless we're not seeing it, unless there's like some kind of like master plan that everyone is missing right now. But if it is like like he's like like he says which is like he wants to buy it to to make it like a free speech platform and accelerate his his vision for the uh, x app the app of everything whatever he, like the, his original vision for x.com um, which was the precursor to uh paypal um yeah it, like it, if you just take his world it looks like just a giant mess like he he, he he lost a lot of credibility on, on this on this whole deal, this whole ordeal. And if anyone, could, if anyone had any doubt about, because you know Elon is big on like he's all about the truth. Like he's like super like people lying that oh no I don't like people lying. Who, who does like people? But he's like I'm I'm an absolutist about free speech and I'm all about the truth. Like uh, the truth is important to me. Uh, 
if you ever needed proof that Elon can be disingenuous, I think that whole ordeal is is one of them because he's he's made some misleading statement a few times because it is benefited him uh, to to his thing. And those text messages that already came out show that. And like you said, I think there's a lot of other text messages that might be like very uh, inconvenient for him and potentially other people, which might have driven this uh, whole thing about selling this week. It is, it is an expensive endeavor, $44 billion. I mean, at first I thought it wasn't too expensive for Twitter, but that was pre of the market uh, going down like crazy over the last few months. So you know, everything's a lot cheaper right now, including Tesla stock, you know, nearing $200 a share right now. Yeah, I think it's near the... Uh... Yeah. Uh, not all time low, but the last you know year or so low, and actually a fifty two week low is two hundred six eighty six, so oh, not that low. Okay. All right. Um, then there was the Tesla AI day. So that's one thing that Elon didn't lie about. It was an <laughs> extremely technical presentation. It wasn't really meant for the wider public. I think it was extremely technical and more of a recruiting effort. But uh, let's well let's start about let's start with that with a robot here, because um, obviously a lot of people like they led with the robot too. So like they cannot we cannot just say like oh like it was just it was just one part of it and everything. They they led with the robot, and uh, for the most part, I think uh, the uh, consensus is that the robot or the prototypes at least were unimpressive. Uh, so the first one the one that you see here called Bumble C. Uh, is a prototype that's uh, partly made with like off-the-shelf items and everything. It's not like Tesla Design Actuator and all that. Uh, it's uh, but it was more like a test bed for the next prototype that has these Tesla Design parts in it. So it showed up on stage. It walked, though walked kind of gingerly a little bit. Is that the word gingerly? Mm -hmm. like, uh, it's unstable, if you will. Look like and, it had arthritis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It does look like you see those very old people walking on the cane. Uh, and then it waved around a little bit. So on stage itself, it was kind of unimpressive. Then uh, then they, they showed some videos of it. And those videos were also kind of un, unimpressive. I mean, so the, the big thing is like you want that robot to be useful. Sorry. So you want that robot to be useful, so show it do useful thing. And the closest they came to that was this, uh, I don't know if I think I put it in there. Yeah, right there. So they show this video of uh, Bumble C working on an actual workstation at the factory. So there's an actual task that needs to be made at the factory. But like literally, like it, it, the video didn't even show them completing the task fully. And it looked like it wasn't going great. It's just like you move this, this piece of equipment from here to there. Uh, and um, and obviously, that the first thing that comes to your mind when you see it is like uh, a purpose-built robot would probably make a lot more sense for this task than, uh, than a bipedal humanoid robot like, uh, like the Tesla bot. Then there was this second robot that they showed here. Uh, which couldn't walk. So this is the, the like the alpha prototype, I would assume, that uh, has Tesla design actuators on them. 
the Tesla hands and all that. And uh, it couldn't walk. They said that uh, it should be able to walk in the next few weeks, but he still wanted to bring it on stage to show it to people because it's going to be something much closer to the production version. And uh, it was able to wave around and everything, but uh, it literally needed like these four guys, like four handlers to make sure it doesn't fall over and everything. So that, that was a, that was not a good look. Like having to like carry the robot out. They should have yeah. just ha- had it like on wheels or something, and or I don't know, just like having the guys like carry the thing was just cringy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, wasn't ideal. Um, uh, sorry, your mic, your mic sounds better, by the way. Yeah, I just switched it. Uh, thank you, Brentley. Like you were, you were actually exactly right. Um, sorry, my, my, I'm in a brain fog right now. I got, I'm barely holding on at this moment. But yeah, coming back to the Tesla bot. Um, so yeah, the unimpressive, unimpressive uh, was the, my take on it. Now, where they kind of redeemed themselves a little bit is with you know announcing a price of less than twenty thousand dollars, and then sorry, making the argument that our goal is to make it usable like useful have uh, as much as possible but also cheaper and easily manufacturable at scale so because a lot of people like that's that was the obvious comparison like it was all over twitter friday night boston dynamics like everyone was like you know, you know that that to be fair it's a, it's a very cool video like that of uh all those robots like making a little dance like i don't remember what the song was but like, the, the robots dance and everything yeah so people were like uh did i actually put it in there it wouldn't have been smart for me to put it in there but no oh no i put it in the next post i think uh yes i did yeah it's not working you can probably just click on the link. Yeah, but it's gonna take me uh, out of uh, of the page. Again, it's not gonna be. Sh- oh no, it's it is. So yeah, the 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 comparison has been like, all right, look at Boston Dynamics. So like this guy saying like, right now after as the event is going on, this is this is the footage at GHQ of Boston Dynamics saying that the robots are just so happy because they realize that Tesla is nowhere near um, their capacity. But I don't know what price are these. Well, actually, yeah, we know this price of this the, the little dog one. You're we, actually sending it right now for seventy five thousand dollars. So that's it. But uh, obviously, that doesn't really compare to to the Tesla bot. So this is more the, the comparison here. But I don't think they sell that already. And if they do, I would assume it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars that it, that it would cost. Also, it doesn't have the same AI capacity. Uh, so. Boston Dynamics is more focused on the well. They also do, of course, the brain behind the robots, but they are mostly a robotic uh, company. So, the Elon's point to Elon's point is that if it's not impressive right now, well, the goal is just we are making it useful, and then we can mass produce it. And the usefulness with the mass production that's going to have the widest economic impact. Uh, which he's probably right because even though even though the the prototypes are unimpressive right now, I think we can see them improve enough that they could have some usefulness for sure. 
And if there are only twenty thousand dollars and you can buy like a hundred of them, like a company, like can have like if you have a hundred robot in your factory like that, and you, you can optimize them to do certain tasks, uh, there's a lot of value to that because those robots can work all day, uh, can take a break to charge or plug them in while they work, whatever you do, and that's that has obviously great value. But of course, Elon was again like, no one understands just how much value that it can have and everything. Everyone's understand how much a useful bipedal robot, how much value that would have. Is just people just don't. It's I, I cannot imagine that you cannot see how people can look at this and have a tough time in their minds seeing how they can come from this to an actual vision of a useful bipedal robot. It's just it's just hard for me to see how you cannot connect the dots there but yeah they, they, they did a few interesting uh, demonstration they, they all one th one thing that i have to note here um obviously the concept is not a prototype and normally tesla unveils a prototype first so that that was already um not aligned with tesla's usual policy on that front but you know you know how tesla always sells says that uh we uh we, we're not like these other companies that shows you a prototype and then the actual product in production is so much worse than the original prototype and things like that you know like the the, the, yeah. the, the production vehicle is always going to be better than the prototype that they show well Except that yeah that, that that's that's not one because look at the concept right here that was unveiled last year and and this this latest generation is uh doesn't look as good well, it's not a final product yet, but yeah, I yeah, for sure. Yeah, but even even that, uh, I don't know. They, um, could put, they could put a spacesuit on it. <laughs> yeah. They did reveal the battery pack. They're talking about two point three kilowatt hour battery pack in there, which uh, is actually a little bit smaller than I, than I would think. But I, I don't know how efficient those actuators are. Uh, I guess they are pretty efficient if they, you can. But at the same time, like. You, you see the robot moving around. It moves so slow. Like it, it cannot. Uh, I don't know what kind of speed it, it's going to be able to reach here. Uh, you can see the battery pack here. It, 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 I don't know if it looks. It doesn't look like uh, forty six eighty cells to me. It looks smaller cells. Then you have the Bolt's brain, which is of course the Tesla system on a chip. Uh, same one that's used for the full self driving computer. There's twenty eight structural actuators and. 11 degrees of freedom in the ends, which I think is six actuators per hand. There's some impressive technology in there for sure. It's just uh, they, they, they couldn't see, they, they couldn't show us any kind of uh, usefulness to, to it at this point. That doesn't mean that they can achieve that in the future, but. Uh, it would have been cool if it could have like lifted like a heavy weight or something, something that uh, a humans couldn't do. I mean, obviously, this is very early days for them, yeah. but like at least one thing that like is you know superhuman. <clears throat> I would have been. That would have been. I don't think it's gonna be close to human. <laughs> like it's gonna. Be, it's not gonna be superhuman. It, we're uh, working on human, let alone yeah, superhuman. Yeah, we're going about like subhuman uh, before we even reach human. Right. So yeah, it 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 kind of threw some cold water on the on the whole program so far. I mean, I think Tesla is still very excited about it. I think they're spending a lot of resources on this and everything, but it's just it's just still hard to see a clear path from this to what, what Tesla, what Elon promised uh, last year. Uh, 
The thing is, though, like, and I'm sure 98% of the people out there are thinking the same thing. Like, why not put the resources into full self-driving, get that solved, mm -hmm. then take that learning and go to the robot? Because the full self-driving is kind of something that is already late. You know, when you have late homework, you don't start working on your homework for, like, next year or create a new class and start, you finish your homework first and... Tesla is not finishing their homework on FSD. It's it's slightly better. Oh, by the way, I don't know. I, I did tell you. I, I finally yeah. got it. I tried it. And it's not great. So. Where where did you try? Did you try just around the neighborhood? And then? Yeah, I tried around the neighborhood. I went on. A, <clears throat> I went took it to my wife's office. I did fine on the freeway, which is, you know, the old uh, autopilot. But That's the um, old stack. Yeah. 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 Uh, it really like around my house and you know we live kind of in the woods but it just did really, really poorly it you know like stopped and started a lot it um it needed to be like it was about to hit something about twice and i you know it almost did a telephone bowl one time it's just it's just not close not close at all but here's something that might get it closer the Dojo supercomputer program, uh, there was a big update uh, during the test study idea. And that, that might have been the most impressive uh, part of the presentation. Uh, it's uh, the, So last time, the last AI day, uh, Tesla had just the chip, the Dojo chip and the Dojo Tau. They, uh, they weren't very far along in, in the uh, program. They haven't created a cluster just yet. Now they don't quite have a cluster yet, but they did put they did created a system tree. So the, those are the tiles. So a system tree has six tiles, and um, they cl they claim that alone, just uh, one of those tree is the equivalent of three to four fully loaded supercomputer racks. A single tree like that. Uh, so if that's true, that's uh, absolutely impressive. And then they have this host assembly. So when they have the host assemble with the system tree, they can put, put two of them in a, in a dojo cabinet. So that's a dojo. <coughs> Sorry. That's a dojo cabinet right here. Uh, well, that's the, the version. How do I? Yeah, that's fun. That's a dojo cabinet open right there. So you see the two host rack here. And... Um, that do they release any data for that? I don't even remember because my brain is in a fog. No, there's no clear data just for the cabinet. But yeah, I think I think they, they tried, yeah. They don't so they have a cabinet right now. So they have two of those system tree together, a cabinet, and the uh, load tested that with uh, two megawatts of power. So it two megawatts is a lot of power for like basically just like a Something that's as big as like one supercharger stall, basically. They said they even tripped the substation and got a call from the city when they load tested it. So that sounds like poor planning on their part, <laughs> where they uh, they tripped the grid. But yeah, uh, the then now they had the step that in the next few months they're gonna put their first. They call it an exapod. So when the first like dojo cluster, uh, which is four cabinet, but I think they can put two of them together to create like a bigger one. So an exapod, a dojo exapod is 1.1 e-flops, 1.3 terabytes of SRAM and 13 terabytes of high bandwidth DRAM. 
And uh, yeah, so they're going to have the first cluster ready in Q1 2023. And then they plan to have a bunch more, seven of them in Palo Alto after that. So Tesla is going to have its uh, new supercomputer that's sometimes next year. Well, I mean, already a cluster is already pretty significant. And uh, yeah, so what was the goal of that? How does that help the self-driving program? And obviously the, the whole Dojo supercomputer is optimized to be a, a neural network accelerator to train uh, on video content. So video takes a lot of power. So it's designed to be able to feed the neural net clean data from video and auto-labeling system. Um, I think they even, I don't remember exactly, but I think in the presentation they even said like how they're going to like spend the dojo power between like the auto-labeling and the neural net training. Uh, so that was interesting because the auto-labeling data uh, does take a lot of power. That was an, another interesting part of the, the presentation too, how they're making improvement with auto-labeling, uh, which makes a big difference versus manual labeling, which takes a lot of manpower uh, and, and create large bottlenecks. A few other interesting on the software side too, though, uh, where we saw Tesla's, uh, uh, they were using trips. Like the, the we we knew that Tesla, if your car or has already been at some place, a specific road, uh, they can learn from that, and, and Tesla can improve based on that. But uh, now now they showed how they can kind of. Uh, map everything together from several different cars and several different trips to to improve the neural net so that that was uh encouraging in terms of like so right now for example in my the little town where i live uh there's a few other teslas there but not that many uh, i don't know how many of them have full self-driving beta i would assume none so i'm the only one that's just like training the system in that town uh, but once there's more people doing it uh it, it, I, I should see faster improvement for that specific area in uh in, in my car faster so, so that was interesting also if you remember a few weeks ago i reported that um the simulation that tesla was like mapping out san francisco for a whole simulation and they confirmed that at the tesla heidi they showed a map that they have like 90 percent of uh, san francisco mapped out in, a, in their simulation i still have some good sources out there yeah, totally. Uh, I know a lot of, uh, I don't know if Tesla itself has, but I know a lot of Tesla fans give Waymo and Cruz uh, some smack for using maps in their in their uh, full self-driving uh, implementations. Do you think Tesla is going to use this uh, like live or are they going to use this uh, map just for simulation? So that's what I was not clear exactly in the presentation because it looks like they do map map out like routes specifically. So they it's not necessarily like like HD maps like the other companies are doing. It's it's more like like a, a records of exactly what path every car is taking to optimize the path. Um, so the, I assume that what they're doing is that they're taking that and then they, there's another neural nets that runs on it, of course, that because obviously you can have like perfect path or perfect HD map of an area that will help your car navigates it. But then if something changed since the last time, and when I say something changed, I'm not seeing like something necessarily like a, a construction on the road, something changed out there, but more like uh, it, could, it could be literally like a, a car that's, 
uh, broken down or, or something like that, there's a neural net on top of that, that that will override whatever the path planning from uh, the, the the route history that you have, or in case of Waymo, the HD maps. So that that's that much is clear. But it it didn't look to me like it was the same strategy at Waymo with the HD map. It's more like uh, optimizing the path planning seems to me. Yeah. All right. Um, then on Sunday, uh, Tesla released its Q3 production delivery numbers. And uh, unsurprisingly, it was another record, 343,000 vehicles delivered, but it was under expectations. So Tesla announced, uh, yes, 343,000 vehicles delivered and 365,000 vehicles produced over the last three months. The that's a big discrepancy between the two of over 20,000 cars, and uh, that's high for Tesla. Normally, Tesla likes to have extremely low inventory at the end of the quarter, but uh, the automaker explained it with uh, here's a little explanation. Historically, our delivery volumes have skewed toward the end of each quarter due to regional batch building of cars. As our production volume continues to grow, it is becoming increasingly challenging to secure vehicle transportation capacity at a reasonable cost during these peak logistic weeks. In Q3, we begin transitioning to a more even regional mix of vehicles built each week, uh, which led to an increase in cars in transit at the end of the quarter. These cars have been ordered and will be delivered to customers upon arrival at their destination. So, of course, the naysayers are, are saying, well, that's a lie. Tesla is having demand issue. That's why they have 20,000 cars in, in inventory. I don't, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. I think Tesla's explanation is most likely correct or very close to the truth. Um, and it's still a giant, giant delivery record right there. Uh, like literally like 30,000 units more than the last uh, delivery record in, in, in Q1. So uh, I think we can still be impressed. But the expectation was between 350,000 and 370,000. So uh, with those 20,000 vehicles in transit, Tesla would have been on the higher hand of that expectation. But now they are not only on, they are below the lower end, about by about 5,000, uh, 7,000 units. So it is significant. Um, Yeah, but um, what what it does too is it sets up Tesla for a giant Q4, obviously, because uh, now there's going to be about twenty thousand vehicles going to be delivered in the next few weeks. And Q4s uh, are already huge. Yeah, Q4 was already going to be huge with uh, Gigafactory Shanghai at a record high. Berlin now producing two thousand vehicles per week, uh, which is which is big. Um, we don't know about Texas, but we assume Texas is around that number too. And then Fremont is also still increasing in capacity, which is impressive after that many years. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I think we're gonna we're already set for a big Q4, and then of course those twenty thousand units uh, are already sold and in transit to customers. Like, I don't know how those Tesla naysayers are still so hung up on the demand thing. Like, They've been wrong so many times at this point. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Tesla Semi has entered production. Elon confirmed yesterday. Tesla Semi production has started. Uh, if you remember, it's uh, Tesla is producing the vehicles at the um, just outside of Gigafactory, Nevada. I think, it, like, check, I think we are the only one to report that. It's a little building 
Uh, there's two like giant warehouses next to the Gigafactory in Nevada, and one of them Tesla has rented to uh, to build a production line for the Tesla Semi. Last we heard, that was last year though, they were setting it up for about five trucks per week. So don't expect that many of them, but still, that's uh, I think we've seen like five Tesla Semi prototypes since uh, since they showed it in 2017. So I think we're gonna see a lot more of them. And then when Elon announced uh, a few weeks ago that Tesla would deliver its first 500 miles Tesla Semi this year, we speculated that Pepsi most likely gonna be the first customer and Elon confirmed it this week that yes, indeed, Pepsi is going to take the first delivery on December first. I think they they said that uh, it's going to be at their Modesto facility. That's a Frito Lay facility in California, and then one in Sacramento, California, too. So, a few trucks for PepsiCo. It's exciting because the 500 mile trucks. I don't think there's any any semi trucks, electric semi trucks that can do 500 miles right now. So that's an actual like useful range for long distance driving. And uh, if they do indeed achieve their efficiency of less than two kilowatt hours per mile, that will reduce the cost of operation of semi trucks significantly. I put some math together here at at 20 cents per kilowatt hour, which of course you can be cheaper than that. It can also be more expensive than that. That's about 40 cents per kilowatt hour per. Uh, 40 cents per mile of operation. Uh, if you compare that to a diesel truck, that's a, that's about half of what it costs per mile for a diesel truck, uh, which doesn't sound like much. Like if you look at cars normally, like, but again, you, 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 there's room for improvement here with the kilowatt hour. You can maintain that lower. Uh, but still, even half is, is still massive because right. these, that's, these, that's these, all the cost. Yeah, well, I mean, there's also a lot of maintenance that goes into it. They're expensive to maintain those those big trucks, but a company can spend easily eighty thousand dollars per year per truck that they operate. So, cut that cost in half. You so you you're saving forty thousand dollars per year on on a, on a truck. So you, <coughs> if that truck costs like a hundred thousand more, like you pay it back in three years. So, you're really not bad. Yeah. And then, then it's money in your pocket every year after that. So, and that, that that's one thing also that people need to take into account. Like it's the, the trucking industry. It's it's not like the rest of the car industry where, you know, there's a lot of the things that goes into buying a vehicle for someone. Like you know, like safety, obviously. Um, then there's utility, like how many seats it has versus like um, how big of a family you have and what what you're gonna do with it. And there, then there's the design that goes into it. And like, I don't like that car's design. I want this car, whatever. Um, there's there's not that much of that in the trucking industry. Like trucking industry, like you can buy a truck on on a spreadsheet, basically, where like how much is this going to cost us? Uh, not not only at the cost of buying it, but to operate it. Because uh, bottom line for companies, it's the bottom line that matters. So if they can buy a truck that's going to help them online, they, they're going to do it. So I think we're going to see a much faster adoption in the commercial side of things uh, with electric trucks than we do on the um, on the consumer side. But obviously, that hasn't been the case so far because there just hasn't been the kind of trucks that they need, which is a truck with enough range, which is going to be the case with the Tesla Semi here. All right. Another little exclusive this week, uh, Tesla is finally going to expand Gigafactory Nevada. So we've been waiting for that for a long time. I think uh, the, the structure hasn't expanded its footprint 
going over like five or six six years, I think now. Who did that artwork? I mean, I hired a professional <laughs> artist to do this set, obviously. It's pretty obviously. good. It's pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I can really see like how that's gonna look. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I actually I I did two I did two for that set. I did this oh, one. Oh wow. And then I, I did that for my featured image. And then as I was working on the post, I, 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 I ended up finding this image that I got from another post before that had all the sections in it already. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect to illustrate what I want. Because So what we learned from a source is that Tesla is going to expand the building from the C section here. So right there. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it like that here. So D, D, C, C. So right there oh, is going to be that. a new section. I... I, I should have been a graphic designer. There's no doubt about it. So yeah, this is going to be for cell manufacturing. Uh, so Tesla is finally expanding the Gigafactory Nevada footprint. We don't know exactly when. We know that the project has been green green-lighted and they're moving forward with it. But I think they're having some issues finding the, uh, like securing the construction workers to actually build this thing. Because uh, there's a lot of work to be done. Because as you can see here, there's still like there's a parking lot still and everything. Right there. Sorry. So, obviously, you're not quite the uh, full, full footprint that Tesla originally promised when the when the Gear Factory was originally announced, I think 2014 or something like that. So, like now, Giga Factory Texas, Berlin, everything already bigger than than, than Nevada. But uh, I think it, Nevada, the problem from what I've heard, and you probably heard similar, is that. Uh, there's not enough workers in the Reno area. Um, there's already a bunch of uh, other companies like Apple and Amazon and Google are all, they have like data centers there and, mm. and stuff. But I think like, you know, surrounding Reno, there's not much going on. And Reno, you know, there's like, until recently was kind of a sleepy casino town. So not a ton going on there. Uh, there's a, a school there. It was kind of a college town, but like just, humans in general like for a factory this big you know mm -hmm. look at all those cars there I, I just don't think that there's enough people to kind of warrant building it out fully i mean clearly tesla needs more batteries like that's not that's not in question but i think the size of the factory is kind of like all right can we hire any more people no all right we're going to keep it this size uh you know maybe we need a a, a new wing you know, we'll we'll import some people. We'll pay some people to move here. You know, some new housing developments have gone up, etc. But I don't think they are. I th I think they were right in planning to make something big for battery production. I just don't think that they've had the uh, uh the type you know the level of personnel that they had hoped for. Well, I think they underestimated how much personnel they're going to need because I, I think. Originally, they said they're going to need 10,000 people to, to work there. And I think they have 10,000 people working there, though, but both Tesla and Panasonic combined, I, I, I would say. Uh, and again, it's only half the size that it's supposed to be, even less than that. So you can imagine that it's full size. It would probably need like 20,000 people working there. So yeah, you're probably right about that. They were like, oh, we thought we could hire 10,000 people. We did hire 1,000 people, but it was tough. So now let's let's slow down a little bit because uh, it's gonna be hard. But Reno is, uh, I think, the fastest growing city in uh, in the U.S. right now. So, uh, and and it's possible to like people if you have a good job and 
cost of living is still uh, manageable in that area. Like people will move there to uh, uh, to get a good job, good uh, standard of living. It's not an impossible ask. Yep. All right. Uh, Tesla Vision is going a little bit further. Uh, Tesla announced this week that it's taking away your ultrasonic sensors. So you have 12, if you have a Tesla vehicles since, uh, what is it, 2016? You have 12 ultrasonic sensors as part of your autopilot sensor suit. And uh, they are mostly used for like the short range stuff. So just uh, object detection around the vehicle, especially when you're in parking situation and things like that. It's uh, it's it's important. And uh, your collision warnings, and I think it's 16 feet, the range of those ultrasonic channels. Maybe they increased them a little bit over the years, but let's say about 16, 20 feet. Um, but as the radar... The ultrasonics are, are, are going the way of the radar. Tesla last year, in May of last year, they introduced the Tesla Vision, which is this whole idea that uh, Tesla doesn't need anything other than cameras for the inputs and then their neural nets are... The cameras are the highs and their neural nets is the brain and that's what the road system has been designed to operate with. So that's what they're going to use. Um, and they're doing the same with the ultrasonics. You know, we don't need them. We can just replace that with the subvision. So starting now, uh, Model 3 and Model Y are not going to be equipped with ultrasonic sensors being produced. Uh, and the Model S and X are going to follow in 2023. Now, just like when Tesla removed the radar, there's going to be some features that are going to be affected at first as Tesla optimized them for the lack of ultrasonic sensors. So those features in this case are going to be park assist, auto park, summon, and smart summon are not going to be available. I don't know about you, Seb, but I never use those features. <laughs> uh, not too much. Yeah. No, um, I, I really do. But I, I do use the ultrasonic sensor when I park myself. I do I sure. look at if I'm getting too close, it is useful, uh, though I don't rely on them 100% either. Like uh, the, your mirrors are your best friends in those cases. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in on board with our commenters. Uh, Bradley Brokaw says, uh, now we welcome phantom scraping instead of phantom breaking. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it's kind of amusing. Just uh, send me chills. Yeah, the uh, I guess like on a high level, like it feels like Cheap. it's good. It's good to have redundancy, like especially in these areas. Like I get it. Like you know, you're we're dealing with just eyes, but actually we're not just dealing with eyes. We're dealing with eyes. We have ears. We we can mm -hmm. feel like you know if we're going you know off the road, we can kind of feel that. Mm -hmm. uh, Tesla, you know, just eyes, just uh, eyes and brains. So um, one sense. That's all they need. Uh, I don't think that's a good strategy. Uh, I think this is going to backfire. There's going to be scraping. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, I don't even know how, like, you know, when you're pulling into your garage, it says, you know, you have like 24 inches, 20 inches, you know, that thing. Can you do that with vision? I, I don't know. Like the, 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 what they said they're replacing it is like their neural net that's occupancy network. So that's, that's good. What's going to be replacing it. Um, so I assume it's this kind of like 3D vision, like uh, bird's eye view of the car type of things. 
and Tesla has showed some impressive demonstration of that. Like it, it does look pretty accurate, but apparently right now it's not as accurate as the ultrasonic sensors because they cannot deliver some features. Bless you. Thank you. Sorry about that. So yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not ideal. It, it feels like a cheap move. Like they're just like it's another cost cutting. Like the when they remove the what, what, the, the passenger side uh, controls, uh, seat controls, or what, yeah. what, what did they remove? Nobody the uses those. Yeah. Well, nobody uses their Trustonix either. Um, Until you do. Until yeah. they save you from scraping your car. <sighs> yeah, so, it's kind of a bummer. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, uh, and then probably at some point they're going to eliminate the software from the stack. That the people with ultrasonic sensors are no longer going to have that those ultrasonic sensors to to warn them anymore, right? Is it is that how? I mean, that's kind of how uh, Tesla Vision is, right? They they're kind of phasing out their use of radar. Yeah, I mean, it it took a while for them to bring it on par. Okay. I think it took a year before raising the top speed of auto steer from like 75 to 85 miles per hour. Uh, so yeah, it's not very encouraging for like that's that's the thing. Like I'll about do it when you're ready. Like yeah. do it when you can deliver every of those features. Right, day one they should have a demonstration. Yeah. Hey, don't worry about it. But yeah. this yeah. is that one with just vision. It's doing just as well, if yeah. not better. Maybe they cannot get their ultrasonic sensor. Is that why? Like they they just run out and they're oh, like, yeah. that's a good point. Uh, it's possible. We need to make more cars. All right, moving on from Tesla. I'm going to try a little bit faster because I might pass out in the middle of the show at this point. <laughs> the Chevy Bolt lives. A record sell last quarter. And not only that, GM plans to increase production. Yeah, by a lot, right? Yeah, by a significant amount. Yeah, so like we, why I say that the, the Chevy Bolt lives is that for a while we weren't sure it was going to live... Uh, Obviously, it was the fire thing, like that the re recalling all the batteries and, and and all that. That was significant, obviously. Uh, but only that, like GM barely touched the bolt in what thousand six for six years since the the program exists. Yeah, it's been it's been a little bit disappointing how much yeah. effort GM has put into the bolt. Yeah, so barely updated it, and then now there's the Ultium battery technology and ev platform coming out so our idea was like okay like when it starts ramping up especially with the blazer ev and the equinox ev thirty thousand dollar equinox ev yeah yeah gm is likely gonna just move away from the bolt and bolt uv in favor of those old geometric vehicles but uh, earlier this year they were like no not necessarily i mean you, you we could you could see them stay in the lineup for uh the foreseeable future so i'm like okay let's see how it goes and then um they just had their biggest quarter in sales this uh in q3 with uh, 14,709 units uh both the euv and euv combined and uh, not only that, they plan to ramp up significantly because right now um, they've delivered 22,000 uh, EV uh, and EUVs year to date. And they say that they're going to deliver 44,000 by the end of 2022. So literally double the sales in just a quarter. So things are ramping up. And then on top of that, they say they're going to go from 44,000 units this year 
to more than 70,000 units in 2023. So that's that's a big ramp up right there. Um, since I reported on that, I have to say, and I, I'm going to re reach out to GM about it because uh, if, if that's actually accurate and it sounds like it, I have a bunch of people reach out. And I'm like, yeah, that's all fun and everything. But um, GM has, has yet to complete all the battery replacement on, on, on the cars. Like, It's nice that they are ramping up production of new vehicles and everything, but I am still waiting for my battery pack on, on replacement from, from my car. And I had a few people reach, reach out to me like that. So um, if you are in that situation, please reach out because I'm going to try to compile as many examples as possible and send that to GM next week and be asking ask them what, what's that about because we thought that was pretty much over at this point, especially now if they are ramping up new vehicle deliveries because before that, why in the first half of 2022 there were so few vehicle deliveries is GM's excuse was like, well, obviously we're focusing on uh, on, um, on on the battery replacement so we don't have batteries for the new cars. Do you remember, Seth? We, we even... We even got in a little argument with them too because we wrote about, uh, I think you wrote about them not bringing any EVs at a car show. Yeah, um, zero. Which one? Yeah, and you're like, that's that's lame. And then they came back to us. It's like, well, it's not lame. It's because we are focusing uh, all, we, we would feel bad to show our Bolt EV and EUV at the car show when uh, we're still working on replacing the battery packs. Well, that's, that's a good point if you, but now you're literally like increasing deliveries and production and you have some people are still waiting for their packs so that's not that's yeah not and i wonder good. if they have the packs manufactured they just haven't gotten the logistics to like get them out to wherever they are maybe i don't know i mean so you know uh we were talking about the bolt and the equinox the equinox is going to be thirty thousand dollars it's going to have roughly similar range 250 miles it's going to have much faster charging but importantly it's going to be a lot wider than the Bolt, so I had a chance to go check out the the Equinox, and it's it's a much wider vehicle than the Bolt. It's it's like a, it seems like it's a similar size, but it's actually significantly bigger. So I could see them keeping the Bolt yeah. and the Equinox in the in the lineup at the same time. What's crazy though, and wh why I think Chevy is able to sell so many of these things, is that the nice price is insane it's twenty five thousand six hundred dollars uh starting price most dealers are marking it up like crazy but you know you find a dealer who's selling it for that much and then like in january theoretically gm should have another seventy five hundred dollars so you're going to talk about like a eighteen thousand dollar uh 260 well, well, mile ev what are the odds on GM increasing the price at that point, though? I would say almost 100%. But, yeah. like, you know, they plan to sell 70000 next year. So, um, yeah, they you, could increase you, the price by like four or $5,000 and they would still sell that. Yeah. I mean, I hope GM gives me like a heads up when they're going to raise the price and I can get in right, right before they, uh, raise the price. Um, you know, like we'll, we'll, we'll put out a tweet like, hey, now's a good time to go buy a bolt. Um, but we won't, we won't break the embargo. Um, but the, you know, the thing is like, that is a crazy price for a bolt. And if you can time it right, like right now it's October, November, December, bolts aren't getting delivered for like, you know, three or four months in a lot of uh, scenarios. So if you can order a bolt now, get it delivered in January, that's a really good car for $18,000. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the, uh, probably the best deal in electric vehicles by far in the u.s right now oh yeah for sure you just 
slow charging. Yeah, the, the main, yeah, the main bummer is the charging. There's no, there's no decent DC fast charging capacity in that in, the, in those cars. But uh, if they were to, I'm just so shocked that it couldn't they fix that a little bit. Even just you don't, you don't have to go like Tesla levels or anything like that. But hundred, yeah, if you bump it up to a hundred, like just that alone, like you, you, you can make it some nice road trips with that. Yeah. All right. Speaking of uh, GM, this this is a GM vehicle with a Honda slap on it, a little Honda logo on it. The Prologue uh, was unveiled this week. Well, unveiled just there's a design was unveiled actually. And the specs haven't been haven't been unveiled, but uh, the design looks pretty good. I'm uh, I'm a fan. I don't hate it. Uh, I don't hate it. Uh, I do like the uh, the logo on the back. Seems kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I don't think I would buy it. I, I don't hate it. I don't love it. And yeah, like, I, mean, I, have, no... I, I have to say, like, maybe the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life is that Honda is so behind on EVs that they have to lean on GM to make their EVs for them. I mean, look, look at the in that press release. They, they had this here. They, they released this little timeline. So, right. By the way, right now, if you're not aware, Honda doesn't have any all electric vehicles in North America. It's just not. And since, since they stopped production of the Clarity Electric in 2019, they have no battery electric option in North America. So, right now, their first all electric vehicle is going to be this Prologue here, which again we don't know much about on the design at this point. But I would assume that it's going to be probably some similar spec as the Equinox or something like that, because just because they use the same platform as GM. And that's coming in 2024. Their first all-electric vehicle in North America coming in 2024. Then the next one is coming in 2026. Uh, and that's going to be one with their Honda He architecture. So their home battery, te- their home EV technology at that point. So that's 2026 and they're going to have their, their own car designed by themselves. And then in 2027, they're going to have another EV co-developed with GM. I mean, for, for me, that sounds like they're giving up basically on the North American market. They're like, all right, like let's like, because in twin by 2026 to have their own EV based on their own technology is, is, is like, at 2026, I don't think anyone that's on the market for a new car is going to be considering anything other than a battery electric vehicle at this point. That's it's fair. just not going to make sense. I mean, there's going to be a few people, obviously, but it's going to same people that are like, oh, you're running two horses. Like, uh, like, yeah, you are, but not because it makes sense to travel from point A to point, point B with it. Uh, and that's fine. But for most people that are like making a conscious decision to buy a new car, which is a big deal for most American families, then when you buy a new car, it's the second biggest purchase after a house. You take a lot of things into account, including the resale value. And I think the resale value of fossil fuel vehicles are going to plummet uh, in the next few years. And by some probably around 2025, most people are just going to be like, yeah, my next car has to be electric. Makes no sense. I've been around the South a lot earlier this year. I'm sorry. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, it's, it's amazing down there. No, I like it a lot, actually. Uh, well, no, it was my first time in the summer in the South. To that, that, I have to say, like, that that threw some cold water on me from the South. Or I would have liked some cold water thrown on me. Because <laughs> that place is hot and, uh, and humid. Uh, but a lot of people that last time I came around weren't 
that excited about electric vehicles and when a lot of people now last time i came were, were, were like were admitting to themselves they're like yeah the more i think of it my next car is most even though like they weren't on the market right now for a next car but they're like oh, in the next four or five years i'm gonna have to buy a new car uh it's probably gonna be an electric one and like every time i'm like really like there's people that they, i don't even bother like, trying to convince or like that so it's uh i i think that's clearly things are clearly heading that way and honda is just missing the boat uh rivian also released their production and delivery numbers for q3 and there was a big ramp up too uh if you remember in q2 they delivered about four thousand units now in q3 the uh well they produced seven thousand three hundred units and they delivered six thousand five hundred and eighty four units so a significant ramp up uh, they have produced 15,000 vehicles so far in 2022, which is good because 2022 is their first full year of production. So that's that, that, that's not bad. And uh, they, they think that it's still good for their 25,000 units goal in 2022. So that's going to be 10,000 vehicles in Q4. So that's a, that's a good ramp up. However, <coughs> the big asterisk every time we talk about Rivian's ramp up is that it's impressive in terms of the... the, the the evolution of their volume like it's going up fast but we haven't seen a good evolution of their gross margin though to, to to reflect that and again this time again in the comments of my article about it where i explain it like you we have to see them getting closer to a positive gross margin with these kind of volumes and people are like yeah but fred you know the volumes are the, the positive gross margin are, are going to come with the volumes and it's like yeah i understand that there's <coughs> I understand that, that that there's economies of scales that, that come with, with with volume, but it's, it, we're we're not even talking about them like going from like a, a one percent gross margin to to a two percent gross margin. We're talking to them going from like a fifty percent negative gross margin to like a forty percent negative gross margin. So even if they're able to do that, like they improve their gross margin by ten points. That's huge for a quarter. Like if you can improve your gross margin by 10 points in a quarter, that's huge. But but for Rivian, that's still a minus 40 <laughs> gross margin. They've and got if, so far to go. And on 4,000 vehicles versus 7,000 vehicles, then you're losing, you're losing more money than you were last quarter. And they spend about like $600 million a quarter on operative uh, – uh, yeah. On operation expenses, whatever that word means. Yeah. You know what I mean. Oh, boy. I think we should end the show. <laughs> All right. We got one more things. story. One more story. All right. One more story. But you, you know what I mean. So uh, they, they're going to release their Q3 earnings in a few weeks. And we're going to have to keep a close eye on the gross margin because uh, they, they are burning through billions of dollars right now. They still have a lot of money cash on hand. So it's not too worrisome, but still keeping yeah. an eye on it. All right, Ford is raising the price of the base um, Lightning Pro. Well, F-150 Lightning Pro is the base version of the Lightning by $5,000. So it's significant right here. And it's the second time that they raised the price of that version over the last year. So the Pro now starts at $52,000. That's the new base version of the of the F-150 Lightning, which, uh, I mean, it's, yeah. it went up $10,000 basically over the, <laughs> over the last year. But it's still it's still not too bad. Yeah, it's not a bad price for that. Um, in addition, like to get the extended range battery, the new starting price is 
$80,974, which is yeah. getting up there, starting to get up there a little bit. Um, and then, you know, of course, they have the Lariat and the Platinum, which are yeah. even even bigger, crazier uh, decked out versions. So, um, yeah. And obviously, I think a lot of people uh, would, would want the Exceeded Range on, on, on that truck, especially if you're going to tow with it and do some actual work. All right, let's get into the comment section. All right. Moving over here. Uh, Greg Poland says, hope you feel better. Get your flu shots. I got COVID and sucked. I don't know if it's COVID. Might might be. Yeah. A, I think it's the flu. Must problem, Twitter, racism, politics. Is he imploding? It kind of feels like Elon's imploding a little bit or something. And ignoring anything Elon says that's not directly related to Tesla or SpaceX is the best policy. That actually is a good policy, but it would be better if Elon went with that policy and <laughs> didn't jump into the Ukraine war or any of that stuff. Uh, yeah, that's one of the comments that upset a lot of people this week. Like, what did he say? He said, like, to fix, you have to have a. Well, yeah, I mean, I think. <laughs> I think a lot of people like glance over the fact that he did say like a UN sponsored referendum. Like, first of all, like it's not even gonna happen. <laughs> Russia's not gonna agree to that anyway. Uh, nor is Ukraine, it sounds like. So hey, he threw an idea out there and then stay. <laughs> it's not, no. not the end of the world. <laughs> like right. But I think the problem is that he's got a lot of connections. A lot of people think we're like it sounded like something Putin would say. It sounded like you know, Putin was, uh, but there's a thing. I don't think that a lot of people like glance over the fact that it's, it would be a UN uh, supervised referendum. I don't, I don't think. Uh, I mean, the what, Russian. The if, there, if there's one thing the Russians are good at is cheating. So uh, I, I don't know if you've seen that movie Icarus. Like that, that, yeah. that just opened my eyes about uh, like. That's not all Russians. It's just typically well, the the most recent Russian government. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but no, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. I meant the Russian government because Icarus right. too. That was the Russian. Like, it was a government-sponsored cheating, uh, uh, doping scandal. Uh, yeah. But just the length that they, they went to to just to, to cheat was 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 crazy. So uh, maybe they think they can cheat a, a UN-supervised uh, referendum, but uh, I, I doubt they would go for it. All right, some more comments. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, KC5 GTS went to Johnny Seesaw's <laughs> in Vermont as recommended and loved it. So I know my uh, mm. Southern Vermont venues. Hey, right, Jack the Ripper, if we continue to let spoiled frat boys run the world, we are doomed. Uh, there's some more of that. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, if he buys Twitter, he'll make it worth the same as Facebook. Actually, that would be good. Facebook's way ex more expensive, yeah. even though it's having a bad time. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the microphone. Sorry about that. Uh, I should have heard that as well. Yeah. All right. And then much better. What do you know about Rivian entering the Australian market? Yeah. Uh, don't hold your breath. I mean, we just heard about Canada this week or last week. Uh, yeah, where they said they're going to start deliveries this year, but only in BC. And then we don't have any word for the rest of the country. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, keep an eye out for them deploying service center. I think that's the bottleneck right now. They're not going to enter a market if they don't have any service center in there. So, yeah, and, and you know, it's much easier to sell vehicles nearby, like instead of shipping yeah. overseas. And they're not even close to meeting U.S. demand. And they're yeah. not getting—they're not even getting closer. Feels like. All right, 
Mark Webb question that Leon's argument seems to be that Tesla's robot has a brain. Uh, sounds like a, uh, anyway, hardware 4.0, mm-hmm. whereas Boston Dynamics robots do not. Do you know if Boston Dynamic uses AI in the robots too? I mean, of course they do, but not really AI, but that's what it's in. It's it's in the bot right now, the Tesla bot too. So it's not, I don't think that right now the difference is, is big, but obviously uh, I think the way that what he meant more specifically is that uh, any other robot right now that exists, and I don't think he mentioned specifically Boston Dynamics, but most of them, like the there's a, there's been a lot of cool humanoid bipedal robot that have been unveiled over the years. Yeah, Honda. What about Honda? They, exactly, they Asimo or whatever. Yeah, but most of the like the the, the AI behind it, it's it's uh, it, it's not it's not very wide, so it's narrow AI, and it, it has to be programmed to do certain things and all that. So. I think what he meant is that Tesla, they're going to be just like, again, he doesn't have a lot of credibility on that because he says that the Tesla vehicles are going to do that and they have yet to do it. But there's no idea that you're going to be able someday to just get in your Tesla vehicle and tell it where to go and it's going to figure out where to go. Not only that, if you don't tell it where to go, it's going to go, it's going to just assume that you're going to go where you would go on that day and that month or whatever and do that. Like it's just going to be a lot of, it's going to be um, responsive and all that. So the, he's saying that the robot is going to be like that too. So it's going to be able to navigate the world without being programmed for it, where, where it's just you can just drop it anywhere and it's going to work, uh, and and it's going to be able to learn tasks on its own and all that. So yeah, obviously there's a ton of value in that, and we haven't seen a lot of people working on that yet. All right, uh, William PMCD says thank you. Please comment on Credit Suisse. I wonder if that's related to Twitter or not. That's that's probably after that. I haven't seen anything from yeah. Credit Suisse. All right. Uh, we talked about phantom scraping. Uh, can the Tesla Vision team have a bunch of mirrored walls installed where they park at work? Huh. I guess that's a joke. Uh, cut, cutting ultrasonics is just ridiculous. Question. Isn't ultrasonic sensor used in the Model X doors to make sure you don't hit your garage door when they open? How is that going to be solved? There's no camera on the roof. Uh <laughs> I don't oh, know if well. it's an ultrasonic sensor. I know there's a sensor there. I don't know if it's a. Yeah, maybe it's just not part. Maybe there still be sensors, but just not part of the, uh, mm. the software stack. All right, uh, Bob N one N three seven seven three. Apparently, PINA stands for Panasonic Energy of North America. Uh, oh yeah, that that was from the, the image that I showed. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Tesla s- s- shared the space with Panasonic. All right, I'll try to make this quick so you don't die. I, I don't know if you could buy a Tesla anymore if I had the money. I don't know if I would buy. It's getting annoying how many parts they're deleting for cost. Stocks, too. Yeah, and half the steering wheel. Seems a little bit weird. Um, they already deleted half the steering wheel. Oh, same joke. Elon seems to delete stuff for cost-cutting reasons, even the res- if the result is worse on features. The battery is smaller than the Boston Dynamics, so we're talking about the Tesla robot, and their battery, 2.7 kilowatt hours, only lasts for one hour. Tesla's estimate is eight hours on 2.3 kilowatt yeah, Have you seen the Boston Dynamic robot move versus the Tesla? Like, get, in, get into your Tesla vehicle and move at, at half a mile per hour, see how long your battery lasts versus going 100 miles per hour. Yes, uh, Daniel Carlson, it's only six months old. But, you know, 
Uh, 2000 tubes to Thursday says AP Tesla vision, not as good as inclement weather, direct sun and night as with radar. Yeah. The windshield wipers have been a problem for me. All right. Adam Wilcox request. I would like to follow up on how all the victims of the bolt fires made out. Some of when it first happened, thought that they would be stuck with the car payments on a burned out car. I think it was an insurance discrepancy or something. We'll follow up with that. Adam Wilcox back again on the bolt charging. They could dump it to bump it to 65 kilowatts if they change the wiring harness for the plug. Uh, well, I think uh, that's, that's not worth it. No, like uh, if yeah. it was like a bump to 100, that would be worth it. But 65 from 50. I think you get 55 too, even on the bolt. No, 60. 60 on the old and 60. Oh, yeah. There was so it went 60, then 66, and then after yeah. the thing, it went to 65. Oh. Bad performance on the auto steer and phantom braking makes 2021 Model S worse than 2016 Model S. That's interesting. Uh, I hadn't heard. I've I've heard the braking well across all of everything, but yeah. I didn't know auto steer was a problem on the Model S. Chris Sheehan, I ordered a Bolt EUV a week ago and Ionic Five got agreement that they would hold it until January 1st. That the Bolt arrives early should be a great commute. Only car for my wife. Yeah, I think I think they're going to sell out of the bolts, and mm-hmm. like yeah. people are starting to catch on. Like, it's it's a crazy deal for twenty. I mean, it's eighteen thousand dollars for a good electric car. All right, Doug Grunberg seems Honda, Toyota, Subaru all behind in EVs. I would add Nissan to that. They used to be ahead with the, the Leaf, but you know they're <coughs> kind of slacking on the Aria. So, uh, boss fan Q is the failure to maximize Giga Nevada simply due to Elon's misunderestimating the available workforce housing in Northern Nevada. Yeah, we kind of discussed that. Yeah, I think that was part. Of, maybe I'm reading these things subconsciously, and then I think I have <laughs> my own ideas. All right, uh, Chris Sheehan, all off grid too, sun powered. I think that was talking about the Giga. Maybe I don't know. Dan Smith, yeah, we're losing money, but we'll make it up in volume. That's talking about Rivian. Uh, that's that's the joke. It's a good one. Uh, do you think Tesla would be interested in buying these struggling EV companies like Rivian and Lucid? Nah. No? I mean, they have nope. the batteries. They, I mean, Rivian obviously would be a Cybertruck, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Lucid kind of makes a Model S. So... You know, you know what I thought would be interesting though. You see this week that uh, Georgia kind of shut down Rivian for the. I did. Yeah, the I taxes. yeah, it would be interesting. Tesla would just come in and like, yeah, we'll we'll build a factory there, and we don't need the, those incentives. Right. I could see Tesla do something like that. By the way, Rivian, we asked them for comment, and they they didn't have anything to say. Oh so yeah, really? I don't know if they're gonna make any moves on that i mean they should slow down on that thing anyway like focus on making the normal illinois factory i mean frankly we have an election Mm -hmm. i don't know if uh the governorship of georgia is in play i don't know what the polls Mm -hmm. are but i know that um there's an election and maybe if the democrats win or get you know more Mm -hmm. more people and representatives then there might be another shot at it so that maybe they're shutting up for now for that Dan Ober says, and Rivian has to design a fix for their tonneau cover. Yes, the tonneau cover sucks. Monroe has explained that they have no space available to add any fix. The gear tunnel will have to be redesigned. Uh, I don't know about that. I'm sure they can come up with something creative. They're pretty creative over there. Norm C. Crow says, Tesla didn't move fast enough to shut the door on his competition, said John Murphy, lead auto analyst for Bank of America Research. During a presentation, 
His annual car wars study in June, Murphy forecast Tesla's share will slide to just 11% by 2025. During the same period, both General Motors and Ford Motor Company will see their share of emerging market for BEVs grow to around 15% each. Well, yeah, that's uh, that that and uh, astrology and uh, astrology. Like, <laughs> what's the uh, what's the dumb one? I think astrology is the dumb one. Uh, or, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. Astrology is the the real. Uh, uh, astronomy is the is the real one. Astrology is the you're right. Yeah. That astrology is the same thing. Like, uh, how how can you say like who's gonna have how many market share in 2025? Like, it's just there, there's just no way. Yeah, there's just no way. And and GM and Ford are both coming in under. Well, certainly GM is coming in lower that way lower than te- Tesla is ever going to sell a car. At, you know, thirty thousand, twenty five, thirty thousand. All right, Brandling broke call. I do I, wish somebody would go ahead. Yeah, I just want. I, I was going to ask, what does Bank of America think is going to be the percentage of new cars that are BEVs at twenty twenty five? Too, I bet it's going to be like twenty five percent. So they believe that Tesla is going to have eleven percent of twenty five percent of the auto market. And Ford's gonna have fifteen of to twenty five percent. I'm telling you, it's gonna be closer to like sixty, eighty percent. And uh, so, even if Tesla has a ten to twenty percent of that market, it is Huge. massive. Yeah. All right, then, Seaman. When do you think the Tesla FSD lawsuit will be settled? I mean, the battery one took a while too before it got settled. It got settled for peanuts. Like Hopefully, something. Tesla just gives money back and they don't go through with it. They just say, yeah. I feel I feel like that that's the the better like solution. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. Fred can go to bed. Chris Sheehan says you guys heard about the senator Georgia. I think introduced a bill to give manufacturers Hyundai for sure two more years of transition time for getting a credit. But Mansion dot dot dot. Uh, no, I we did, did not see that. <laughs> I did hear about something like about this. Um, I think we were talking about it in the room, in the Slack room. Uh, yeah, I don't think it was. I think it was just too far, far fetched or something. Um, but it, you know, obviously, if Georgia, I think it's cars made in Georgia with parts overseas. I don't know. Mm. We'll, we'll we'll see. I guess. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening and watching the podcast this week. It's much appreciated. Again, I apologize for lack of energy in my voice and my fogginess. Uh, but we're trying to do our best here and deliver the show every week. We haven't missed a week in, I think, three or four years at this point. Yay. <laughs> Sometimes it results in lower quality, obviously. But if you do appreciate the show, please give us a thumbs up, a like, whatever app you're watching on, whatever is the engagement feature click on that we love it it helps the algorithm help us and uh, if you're listening uh, on your podcast app on like apple Podcasts, on spotify if you can give us a five-star rating that helps tremendously and it's free to do and it takes a second and we appreciate you for it and we're going to see you same time same place next week and hopefully i'm going to be 